today I get to talk with Courtney Watkins, who's actually a swing trader who's looking to get into day trading. She's had an interesting background to get to trading, as so many, right, have such diverse backgrounds. Um, while I forget where she's actually living at the beginning of the interview, we have a great conversation. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady and a great trader. So it's a good conversation. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for joining us here at A Talk With Traders. Welcome back, everyone, to A Talk With Traders. I'm very happy today to have with me from the beautiful, I assume you're in beautiful Starkville, Mississippi. But no. Oh, you're not. That's right, because you had, you had moved. Well, I have Courtney with me anyways, and Courtney is in Colorado then. Is that right? That's correct. There you go. All right, I'll get it straight. So, well, you know what? Why don't we start there, Courtney, because you had an interesting sort of life journey to lead you to trading. Um, from what I understand, you started uh, training as a professional photographer, but ended up doing um, uh, something a little bit different. Why, why don't you explain sort of what you're doing? Because I thought it was fascinating. Okay, um, my undergrad's in fine art, and I went to Portfolio Center to study commercial photography. And while I was there, I really just fell in love with um, being more into the like support crew, into the uh, support part of production. And I um, became a stylist, a photo stylist. And from there, uh, after I left Portfolio Center, I uh, started freelancing and assisting and then worked my way up to key um, wardrobe and costume departments for like, larger commercials. So what does a st photo stylist do? So I basically would get all of the props and wardrobe, you know, talk with an uh, art direction or the director or photographer and put together all of the pieces, like dress the talent or if there was, um, I usually would only do hand props, like small props. Okay. And um, put everything together. So a lot cool. of shopping, a lot of budgeting, a lot of dealing with clients and, um, directors and photographers and just making everything kind of come together to put it on set. Right. So, yeah. I mean, a natural transition then into trading, of course. So. Of course. <laughs> so much sense. It's always amazing to me how different everybody's background is, right? We all come from having done something different and ended up, you know, trading for, through through different avenues. Now, in your case, as you said, you you were you were doing this professionally. Um, right. I, I I got the I got your location wrong because you had actually were in Mississippi, but then <laughs> I thought this was fascinating. You renovated a house for ever, it seemed, and then decided to sell it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm from Mississippi, born and raised in Mississippi, and then moved to Atlanta in my twenties. And that's where I finished undergrad and went to Portfolio Center. And along the way, I met Jeff. And Jeff is a great, great man, and very talented car carpenter. So we decided to uh, buy a house and renovate it. And we lived in it and worked on it whenever we had free time around, around work, which was, um, that's why it took 12 years. <laughs> yeah. That's, when I say forever, I mean, I'm not kidding. Like 12 years is a long time okay. to be renovating a house. So. Yeah. Yeah. But we did it with money we had in our pockets and with the free time that we had available. Yeah. And um, in the summer of 19, I just, I don't know, I started worrying that it was about time for an, a recession, some kind of economic downturn. And 
decided to, you know, maybe we should just talk to a realtor and see because we we hadn't had it appraised or anything since we'd been renovating and we'd done a ton, like a ton of work on it. When we bought it, it was like a three one and when we left it was a three four no three three and a half with a full basement. Like we finished out the basement so I could have my studio down there and Jeff had a small workshop. Um and we did well when we, uh, you know, we talked to the realtor and they decided, or she told us like we could sell the house and no, and with no issues and ended up selling it to the first couple that walked through before it even hit the market. Um, wow. Sold for over asking. And uh, we decided to make a, a big change because we don't have kids and, and why not? And Jeff lived out here before and he loved it. Right. And so we downsized from a 3000 square foot house. 1200 square feet and moved to Colorado in October uh and then COVID hit <laughs> yeah so yeah let's talk about that because that's what's affected so many people so COVID hit you're already worried about an economic recession in yes. which affects your industry you know as you said um but then that I guess that just put sort of the nail in the coffin uh you you you, you were sort of saying how not only did it reduce the number of jobs but the available jobs essentially were putting you at risk, it sounded like. Yeah, and, and these weren't from, from production companies and producers that I've worked with before, but I was getting calls for jobs that they were wanting to put me in, me and the talent, it wasn't just me, 30 talent in a hotel room to do a, a fitting, like a wardrobe fitting with all of these people and, um, and then just like zoom in to the clients and to the agency production company. And I, I didn't, I just did not feel right doing that. I didn't think it was safe. And I, you know, I told them no, I told a couple of productions no. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't, you know, before COVID hit, I was flying like back to Atlanta. I'd work on a Turner classic movies or go, you know, wherever, go out of town, wherever someone, wherever the folks needed me. Um, but, you know, no flying with COVID. Yeah. And then like a lot of the jobs, like I said, out here, they just were, they were very risky. Um, and so I just decided that I could either, you know, what do I, what do I do after COVID hit? Should I kind of take the time to learn how to be truly financially independent? Or do I just sit and wait for the you know COVID to blow over and and right. go right. back to that? So well, let's knuckling down and trying to learn and. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's talk about that and that transition before we do. Any names you can drop on people you worked with? I'm just curious. Um, I've worked with Shaq. I think I talked about this a oh, little yeah? bit in the in the chat. Um, I worked with Shaq, Barkley. Let's see. Eddie Gafiji, I'm not sure if you know him. He was in Twilight. Okay. Um, Joan Jett. She oh, yeah. had her own people, but it was a production with Joan Jett and Carrie Underwood. That was pretty cool. She was amazing. Um, that's cool. Excellent. Well, that's very cool. All right. So, so to trading then. Uh, I understand that you had picked up uh, Brian's book, uh, How to How to Swing Trade, and Good. that. 
and that uh, sort of helped you on the journey. And uh, when you got started, you uh, you actually didn't even tell Jeff that you were sort of embarking on this <laughs> using using some of those hard-earned funds you were talking about. So so tell me about that. Yeah, so um, of course, Jeff had no problems finding a job out here. It's, he's very talented. So he was uh, going to work and I would be in front of the computer come home at the end of the day and I was still at the, in front of the computer and I, I didn't want to tell him what was going on until I knew I, I was capable of doing this um and so he would ask me like oh babe what'd you do today and I'd shrug it off kind of sheepish, sheepishly and um and then finally like so, so that was late summer when I started swing trading and then finally in October I, I told him that um, I told him what I'd been doing and that I thought I could make this work, that I could make it happen. And he was, you know, oh, all right, babe, sure, whatever you say, <laughs> you know, kind of blew it off. And then I told him how much I had made. And, uh, and he was like, oh, oh, well, that's, oh. <laughs> a little more interested now, right? Oh, oh you made that much. I'm very interested and uh, he immediately was like well babe whatever you need like if you need to get a new computer set up because I know you've been saying that because I'm all Mac like all creative fields are all right. Apple products so the PC thing is a completely new horizon for me so he was saying like you have whatever computer you need whatever you think will help you I really think this is a great idea <laughs> you should pursue it so he was on board after that, yes. Excellent. I just didn't want to tell anybody. I, I, I didn't even tell my family. Um, I'd asked my brother for some advice, um, but I, you know, I didn't want to tell anyone until I was profitable. Yeah, and, and and you know that's uh, it, something that affects a lot of people when they're getting into trading because almost everybody I, I always say trading is like teaching or or banking in a certain way that everybody's got a story right good or bad because we've all had interactions with it one way or another trading it's often the you know what I had a a cousin of a brother's uncle's pet groomer's friend who lost everything trading don't do it. Or you get the other story, right? Where, you know, my, my uncle's cousin's second niece, you know, they put $5 into the stock and now they're a trillionaire. And and like neither one, of course, are, are realistic to what we generally do. What, what, why, why in your case though, were you hesitant about telling people? Probably because it was, it felt so different from what I've been doing for the past 20 years, sure. you know, going from, being on sets and surrounded by people and, and doing all of these things with production to getting involved in trading. It, it was just a very, a, a, a big reach, but you know, the more I think about it, there's, there are a lot of those, there are a lot of similarities. There's a lot of research and budgeting and trying to find, and actually what really got me into it is, was the idea of value investing. And it, that brought me to swing trading and then to day trading. Um, the idea of trying to buy a dollar for 50 cents, that just makes a lot of sense to me. Sure. And I went down that path first, like yeah. learning as much as I could about value investing. And then it segued to swing trading. Well, I mean, it's hard to argue with Mr. Buffett when uh, you look at his success over the last 
50 years. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's been a lot of, you know, demonstration of why value investing works in this market, though. You're right. Like if you've started in the last couple of years, it can be tough, though, because we are in an inflated market that just continually rides at the top end of that spectrum, which means, you know, the values are fewer and far between your your differential. Like you said, trying to buy a, a buck for 50 cents is great when you have a highly depressed market. But when you're trying to buy a buck for 90 cents, Right. It, it gets it gets more difficult yeah. to determine which equations work, if you will, and which ones are not likely to work. Right. Out, so. Right. So. And so that's exactly what sent me down swing trading because right. it was it was difficult. And when, mm -hmm. if you did find something, um, it, it could end up being in a value trap and it was just a bad, bad investment. So, yeah. So do you find that swing trading for you is that balance between the value investing and the short term you know, what we typically think of day trading is you're in and out in a matter of seconds, minutes or hours all within the day, whereas a swing trade could be anywhere from a simple overnight, which is really a few hours, but with a market right. closure or up to a couple of weeks. Is, are you sort of attracted because that sort of gives you some fundamental but with technical support? Yes. Okay. Yes. I think I like a, a balance between the two. Um, I, I don't. I don't think my back, I don't have the background to really be hardcore into fundamental analysis. Mm. Uh, the more I learned all of these formulas and then comparing them with what everything else that was out there, I was just a bit deeper than I can go that, you know, I could spend all of this time trying to learn these formulas. And then within one news report, it kind of gets turned upside down <laughs> yeah. and things drop. So it doesn't, I, it make it really made me shift my um, my approach. Definitely. Besides, corporate financial statements aren't the most stimulating reading, oh in, my in, in my opinion. <laughs> it's, it's it's really it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it can be tough, especially if you're just coming into it and you have to start to read them. I, I I don't know that I've ever read one front to back. I've certainly flipped through a lot of them, and and you sort of find try and find the highlights. But yeah, it's uh. It's a lot of work if you're a true fundamental, you know, you're going to get into the company, understand how it functions. Anyways, it, it, that that's... And I, I am not there. I am <laughs> not that person. Right, right. <laughs> and so I've even found that just using median um, analyst price targets was, was better because it seems like the markets move more around those median price targets than anything that I could come up with. Right. Or, you know, so it's just better to stay in an average range. And I do try to, I do still try to keep like a 15% margin of safety, uh, just a little cushion in there. So let's dig a little deeper onto your, your, your approach. What is, how would you describe your strategy? So on a swing trade basis, what do you look for? You know, do you, do you have sort of a couple of different strategies that you would say that you employ or just one main one? So it's really, um, looking for good companies that are undervalued. Like I said before, I'm using like median price targets. I may mm -hmm. reference a few websites just to see what their valuations have put on, on the stocks and then looking at, and I'm, I'm, I'm really bad. I get uh, a little excited. Often I'll um, enter a trade too early and it goes down before it comes back up. But I try to enter in that value zone between the 20 and 50 moving average. Okay. On a um, daily basis? On a daily chart? Uh, on the daily chart. On the daily chart, yeah. Yeah, I used to look a lot more closely at weekly and then daily, but now it seems to be going daily and lower. Right. Yeah. 
And do you find, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Do you tend to find yourself sliding more towards the shorter term trades now or, or what's happening? Well, I'm trying, I'm really trying. <laughs> and uh, March was pretty brutal. <clears throat> um, but I think a lot, I know a lot of it has to do with my psychology. I get, mm. I can uh, get very impulsive. I want to jump into um, trades that I think may work and I need to just low my role and, right. and and take the time to do a little bit more analysis um, it's really difficult for me to trade strictly on technical analysis like i'm definitely not a scalper right but i have had some success with um with orbs and um and i've really been working on reversals lately um i haven't been big into shorts but I'm, I'm trying um, doing uh, reversals with um, a bearish divergence. Pretty simple, very basic old school method. I was trying to do pivot points and I ended up just scrapping, just scrapping the, entire, the entire pivot point process off my charts and went back to more fundamentals, like just taking the time and and using different time frames to draw my own levels. And right. that's made a huge difference. It's made a huge difference. I'm just taking the time, like as the chart progresses through today to make, um, again, like make my own levels on the chart instead of relying. I think I was using pivots as a crutch, basically. Mm. And that's interesting because you know everybody has to find their own uh, strategy, right? What works for you? And you know, pivots are one thing that uh, we've talked a lot about because some of our moderators and traders at Bear Bull Traders use it a lot. But it doesn't mean it's right for everybody. Um, it, it's it's a technical indicator that that provides value to some and to others. You're right. It can it can just be a distraction to the chart. So I love Courtney that you tried it. All right, it's always good to like I'll, I'll look at it you investigated it you gave a shot and you said look i don't it doesn't feel right right it's not working for you so you went back to a strategy that works nothing wrong with that that's yeah i spent a solid month uh, really deep into the pivots trying to figure out how right. to make them work on a daily uh doing different like two-day pivot relationships which I, I found really interesting and sometimes it worked Mm -hmm. But then once the market got really volatile, it, everything just went off the rails and um, and I just decided to slow it down and go back to basics and yeah. and, and that's helped that's helped a lot. I actually have been going back and rereading some of the first books that I that I read that got me into swing trading and that's been helpful too. Oh yeah. So what? So we talked about Brian's book. What other uh, books did you find were helpful in in your journey? Um, the new trading for a living, Alexander Elder. Okay. Yeah, this is good. Um, and I used to actually use his trade bills. I'm very much. I know everyone kind of giggles at Brian. I think it may have been uh, Andrew that was laughing at Brian because he always has like the notebook with all of his handwritten notes. Sure. That's me to a T. <laughs> I have, I'll make a trade bill or a checklist. And I, and I was doing that when I was only swing trading and I really liked it. I think it helped keep me. Um, There's a, 
There's nothing wrong with that. I've got my book here that's got notes from today on it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I make hand notes. There's nothing wrong with combining the, the technology with some good old-fashioned, you know, wrist effort. <laughs> write it yeah. down. And I find that I remember things easier when I write it down compared to when I type. When It's like type and forget. Uh, when, yeah. I, when I'm forced to write it down, it has a more um, indelible impression, I find. On exactly. I feel exactly the same way. So I may even get back to um, trade bills. Mm. making that little handwritten sheet where I can check off everything and make sure I'm doing all of the things before, right. I, before I jump in. So you you had used in the past a uh, like a checklist, it sounds like, that you had sort of put down all the things you would look for before you made a trade decision? Yes, yeah. And it would have um, a way that I could rate it right. from a zero. It was basically how um alexander um how elder did his right. trade bills where you can rate each trade and if it's not above like a four or five you don't take the trade right um and i stopped doing it because i felt like it took too much time <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. now i'm forcing myself to slow down right and i, I think it's, it's a good way to make me slow down so yeah. i think I'm, I'm returning to that Good. You know, I, I, I think there's a huge value in using those checklists and, and being more explicit about uh, the trade decisions you make, because all too often, you know, I often talk to day traders in, in this podcast and, and elsewhere, of course. And, um, you know, one of the big issues people have is over trading because we tend to like, you know, we like the action. You want the excitement. You want to jump in. You're, you're willing to follow your gut. The gut can be misleading, right? Your gut can be great when it's processing data you haven't brought forth to your consciousness and it's making a, a conclusion. Unfortunately, it's tough to know the difference between that and when your gut is filling in the gaps with hope and desire, right? And because you're like, I really want this to work. So my gut is telling me it's going to work when really you're just sort of hoping it's going to work. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And I get... Um get competitive like I, I i want to stay green and I've, I've i've improved so much just within the past month um we had that risk management seminar mm -hmm. or webinar yeah and the um venn diagram was is it Artie that did the yep. webinar yep. yeah he had the venn diagram of over trading and then not cutting your losses right and then the center of the venn di i don't know well you can't see it yeah, there you go. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> so over trading, not cutting losses, and going broke is the is that's the, the yeah. midpoint. That's what happens. You're gonna go broke. Yeah. And I keep it on my keyboard. There you go. So I can see it while I'm actually trading, and and I don't know. It made perfect sense to me. Just because you keep digging in, it it's you're just making it worse. So the I I truly cut down on. The amount of trading I do, and um, and right now I'm really only looking at orbs and then reversals because I, I mean that makes sense having something first thing in the morning and then sure. waiting for the runners to to turn around. Those uh, th those reminders are good, I think, to have there because uh, it, it provides a little reminder and changing them up occasionally because I find sometimes they get stale. It's sort of like having the 
I don't know. I, I always like to say it's like the pile of clothes at the bottom of the stairs. You realize two weeks later you've been stepping over it for like two weeks. You're like, what? The, like it became invisible to you. So you got to change them up so they keep being there. I've got this sign on my desk my son made for me because I'm an under trader. It says, take the damn trade. It's a nice hard sign I can hit myself with when it's, uh, when I don't do it. But those, those reminders are good. So. I'll give you some of my trades, but yeah. I, I'm only day trading in sim um, until I get a hold of um, some of this psychology stuff. I, I won't, yeah. I won't trade until I. I'm a bit more confident. Well, that, that, that's good. I like to hear that. So, so right now you're only in sim for your day trading. Obviously, you're swing trading live, and you're continuing to do that with real money. But that's good because at least you've got that comfort and, and confidence from the swing trading that'll continue to bring not only profits, but, you know, th that trading experience. And then, uh, you know, you're carefully practicing the, the day trading. Yeah. And, I, it's, and day trading is difficult. Like, I'm, I'm pretty risk averse. And um, I mean, you can have a really awful day. <laughs> and, yeah. and again, this is all funny money. And it's still, if I do bad, even in Sam, I... I I have a tendency to kind of beat myself up about it. So yeah. I've got to, I'm, I've got to um, figure these things out. And, I, and again, like limiting the, the strategies that I'm trading um, right. and the amount that I'm trading has helped a ton, a ton. Well, and, and it leads me to asking about the psychology of trading because we, we all have sort of tendencies that we fall into. But in your case, I mean, you went, you changed industries so much. Um, and to something where you would, you know, fly around, you'd interact with people, as you said, you know, maybe too much, <laughs> 30 people <laughs> yeah. crammed into a hotel room. <laughs> How have you found it being, you know, I mean, this is a very, uh, isolating activity at times and it's certainly a solo activity. How have you found it sort of working at home on your own all day? Even though in production, you are around a, a lot of people and I love everybody that I've worked with. I've worked with so many great people, met a, a lot of great people, but truly at the end of a production, I would just go home. I was exhausted. Like it, people truly would take a lot out of me. <laughs> people all day. exhaust me. I'm, I'm, so I'm like borderline introvert, extrovert. Um, right. But definitely after jobs, uh, I, I was called it a production hangover. Mm. And I tell Jeff, like, I just, I just can't answer any more questions. I don't care what we eat, what we do. Just don't ask me uh, right. to answer questions. Um, so it's, it's been kind of nice uh, being, it, it, the best part has been finding the chat room. So there is interaction there. I think if it was only me, Right. In front of the computer, I would not be happy. Uh, and then the ladies Slack group is amazing. There's so many amazing ladies in there. And um, yeah, they're pretty funny and always learn things from them. I'm always amazed at how many have their ladies with full-time jobs, uh, kids or both right. that are still trading and they're, they're very inspiring. And, and I think that that's great. I mean, obviously we have the main chat room at, at Bearable Traders that, that we use and I, I love it. I find it's like, it's a social outlet as well, right? Because I'm, yeah. you know, we're, like everybody, we're sitting here at home and that's an opportunity to interact and, and, you know, actually talk with people, even if it's just through text, I get the advantage of being on a microphone and 
ramble at people all day, but it's great. But um, I love the fact that we have that, as you said, that, that Slack channel where the, the ladies specifically, and it was because we were finding that there was a desire for some of the women traders to have a conversation that was, um, you know, specific to, to what they were going through and, and their experiences. And you found that valuable to be part Absolutely. of. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like we kind of get a little more, I mean, I would say personable mm. in there. Um, there's an accountability group. So if we have traded like complete schmuck that day, we'll just say it. Um, at one point in the group, I, I just felt like almost every day I was only saying something negative and I was like, we, every negative thing I say, I, I'm gonna have to say something positive about myself because it's, it's getting to me a little bit. Um, but yeah, there are different, um, Headers in the Slack group, so we can post anything from accountability, um, and we may have a Bitcoin channel now. Um, swing trading, there are all you know different conversations within there, and there's always something silly and fun yeah. going on. So I, I love the fact that it exists and and then it's so heavily used here because. You know, the, the, trading is truly an egalitarian activity, right? It doesn't matter your background, your 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 social status, your gender. Like none of it matters. The markets don't care. The markets will take your money, just the same, right? <laughs> um, and and it, money it's, has no gender. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it's funny how traditionally we've seen, uh, you know, Wall Street and and a lot of that big money serves a male dominated industry, and there's really no justification for it. I love the fact that our modern technology has opened the ability for not only us as common, you know, we're, we're considered retail traders and dumb money normally, but I think we're getting a lot smarter as a group. Um, but it also has leveled the playing field such that we, we can sort of demonstrate, you know what, I mean, we can do it on our own terms, no matter whom you, who you are and, and what your background is. Obviously, there's some priced entry, you have to have the cash to be able to trade, but even that has come down over the last few years. So, so it's, it's good to see that that's happening and you're able to take advantage of it. So a lot of good side I hear coming. Any any you know downside you found uh, you know, maybe from the psycho psychology or the management that you've experienced in trading? You mentioned a little bit of impulsiveness and, uh, and oh, yeah. <laughs> so do you find that hard to to manage again on your like do you find yourself sometimes you 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 know you go and you take it and you're like what did I just do? What, yeah, I have several trades like. I have trade review to track all of my trades and there's several where uh, I've gone in and then immediately I've, I've gone out and I was like, oh, well, I corrected myself. Like I'm slowly realizing like whenever I'm, I jump in. Um, but again, I've, I've gotten so much better. I think March was the month where, because that was after my journey down pivot <laughs> all of the, into the pivot rabbit hole yeah uh, so march i was just kind of searching and trying to find the next what i needed to do next and that was probably the most frustrating thing is not um like i don't have a mentor i don't have somebody to kind of uh kind of push me in a, a right. direction like if they know me and they know my personality they may could they could possibly suggest another um, another strategy to use. So I felt like March, I was just running around out there <laughs> trying to figure out what would really work and and then reading as much as I could. Like I said, rereading some of the 
um, older books that I had and just searching. So, um, so I have improved, I've gotten better, but yeah, I mean, I still feel like there's maybe one or two trades a week that I will just fight. I'll get in and fight and, and the, it makes no sense. Um, but it, it still happens. <laughs> but, yeah. They, they say there's no value in arguing with the market, right? That's, uh, um, yeah. And that leads to something that you had, you had actually mentioned uh, to me earlier. You 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 made a great analogy about uh, dealing with customers and and applying that knowledge here into the markets. Talking about the customers always right and saying right. you had to sort of realize in this case the market is always right. Sometimes right. it's not worth fighting it. Maybe you can expand on that. So um, leads for me dealing with clients like you you may have a conversation where you have a, a differing view, but you never, you never fight with them. If there's something that's going against their, uh, like the project objective, you, you don't like, you don't go up against them and argue and fight and push back. You just, you accept it and um, you move on and you do the work so you can get your paycheck. So I've kind of I've tried to change my relationship with the market and think of the market as my client and the client's always right. Just get in there, do the work, um, get your money, and then go. Just don't don't try to fight it. And that's that's, that's a kind of simple shift, but that's helped no. me change my my perspective. I love that perspective because it just shows you know it doesn't matter what industry you're coming from, you can apply some of those life lessons or, or learnings to to trading. And I like how you've turned that and said, yeah, like I, I, why would I fight with it? Like you know, as much as you may want to argue with your client, and and they they could be wrong. And it's sometimes like I, I can tell you, I think that the market is wrong, but it doesn't matter if I think it's wrong; it's still going to do what it's going to do. Right. <laughs> Right. I can stare at I can stare at GameStop all day and tell you I don't think it's worth 160 bucks, but it's not changing because I think it's overvalued. Right. <laughs> so. This makes absolutely no sense. Why do you want to do X, Y, Z? Right. It doesn't matter what I think. Like, yeah. But yes, darling, whatever you want. <laughs> you've got a good perspective and, and taking that lesson and saying, all right, well, I won't argue with the market. I'll just figure out how to work with it. And as you said, get your paycheck. And at the end of the day, you know, sort of go home. <laughs> so, to work another day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, that's great. So any advice you'd have for people getting into trading? I mean, because you've had such a, a different journey. You obviously self-taught from reading the books to you started with something you were comfortable in swing trading, trading sorry, moving in into, well, now it's trying anyways, the day trading. If someone else was coming from an industry that had nothing to do with computers, stocks, or technology, um, you know, what advice would you give them? Um, I think I sent you a couple um, to pace yourself. I think when I first got into this, I was a little panicked and I felt like I had to read and ingest all of the information. I was trying to watch all the videos and listen to all of the, the news feeds and all of the like Twitter personalities that were posting. And it just was, it was overload. Hmm. Um, and at some point I, I, had, I decided to weed out a lot of the um, extraneous information. So um, trading is a, is a marathon, not a sprint. So don't try to do too much all at once. Uh, and then learning how to ride the wave that all the markets and sectors and stock, stocks, everything has a ebb and flow and just trying to 
it used to um, things not always going your way. It may be down, it may be up, and just learn to get comfortable riding the wave. Um, and that's also something that was very true with production. Like we were, we would be really, really busy or pretty slow. So you had to learn how to to ride the wave in between the, the jobs. Um, and then staying nimble and learning how to adjust your rules as the market adjusts. I think those are great, uh, great pieces of advice for anybody starting. Uh, we all tend to try and absorb too much too fast and end up confusing ourselves. So you're right. There's no, you know, there's, there's no need to try and do it all at once. Take your time. Uh, understand that the market is always changing. And like you said, riding that wave, that, that's a, sort of a good analogy because, again, the, you know, every, every wave is slightly different, but they do follow patterns. But you have to be out there for long enough to start to see those broader patterns. And, and that's important. And, uh, and therefore, adjust your rules as the markets, uh, markets change. So great. Well, look, thank you so much for uh, taking the time, Courtney, to talk with us. We really appreciate it. Good luck on the journey into day trading. I hope it proves as successful as your swing trading has been so far. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll see. And uh, we will see you in the Bearables yeah. trading room. And it's vaccination day for me. Oh, as soon wow. as I get off of this, uh, I'm headed to go get my first vax. Fantastic. So well, I understand usually you end up with a sore arm for the first day, and hopefully that's about it. If you're lucky, if not, uh, it might last a little bit longer, but fingers crossed for I'll you. I'll take though. it. All right. All right, Courtney, <laughs> Thank you take so care. Much, Peter. Take care. Bye-bye.